Welcome to another Film Music Media All Access interview. I'm Kai Savas, and today I'm here with composer Cristobal Tapia de Vere. Cristobal, thank you so much for uh, for chatting today. It's so great to, to meet you. Thank you. My pleasure. Nice to meet you, too. So let's just first off, uh, off the bat, I want a big congratulations on your win at the 2022 ASCAP Screen Music Awards, for which you won uh, the Composer's Choice Awards for both Television Score of the Year as well as television theme of the year for, for your score to the White Lotus. So yeah, congratulations on that. Thank you. That's crazy. So, in, in a sea of award shows in this industry, how does it feel to be kind of, you know, voted on by your peers and fellow composers instead of, you know, different organizations and stuff, just kind of people that you work with? Uh, well, it, it's very moving uh, because um, this last year uh, I've had lots of, recognition from other composers and uh so i i kind of feel uh, accepted in the young if you will uh and uh i mean for me uh especially because i uh, i improvise myself uh, as a composer since uh, i mean i was mostly doing pop music before and i did uh, you know study classical music, but uh, I was never going to become a composer or anything like that. I, I was a player. Um, so um, I'm happy that uh, uh, my peers in, in this business uh, find find it interesting what I'm doing for, for the images. Uh, and uh, I suppose I'm helping, helping out, uh, you know, telling stories and all that. So which is the most uh, important thing. Um, uh, so yeah, it's um, it, it, it's it's almost it's a bit shocking. Uh, I wasn't uh, expecting you know to, uh, to have this kind of feedback uh, from the composer uh, community. Well, I think it's well deserved, and I think most I think the best uh, storytellers come from different backgrounds. So let's just jump into. It. I would love to know about your background. So you mentioned you. You kind of came into uh, composing for visuals later. Uh, talk about uh, growing up and what your childhood was like, and when do you re first remember kind of music entering your life? I don't remember uh, like a starting point for music. Um, it was always there, and uh, uh, so I was born in Chile, and and uh, culturally speaking. Uh, Folk, folk music was uh, was very present in the sense that in every house you have uh, an, island, an island string guitar or a Spanish guitar, and uh, somebody's gonna play that, an uncle or my mom or whoever, and they would play traditional songs and stuff at parties and, and things like that. So um, that was always present uh, for me. Uh, I suppose, uh, and and other. I, I mean, me and my friends. What I remember uh, from being there is that we weren't so much into folk music as as much as uh, you know uh, American or you know British uh, music. Uh, all the bands, all the pop music uh, th that would come in, and um, so uh, you know, I had this big. Michael Jackson period, and then, you know, whatever, heavy metal, and this and that. I, I listened to a lot of radio, and uh, I would do mixtapes and stuff, uh, but traditional music, it wasn't really, 
it wasn't like super cool for us. Uh, the cool stuff was on the radio and we just wanted to do that. So um, uh, besides that, um, I suppose I started producing maybe music in a, in a certain way uh, with whatever uh, I had around, uh, like a ghetto blaster. And then I would do, uh, uh, you know, instruments with uh, whatever, with boxes, you know, like uh, drums out of uh, boxes and um, and anything really. Um, uh, so, uh, and, and finding ways to produce that, to record uh, into, a, you know, a cassette into a, a ghetto blaster and then finding uh, tricks. Uh, so for example, I don't know, uh, you know, I get a blaster. If if you press the record button halfway, it would record double speed. And then when you hear that uh, at normal speed, then everything is like half speed. So you have these big sounds, and you could do monster sounds and stuff like that. So I, I suppose that was um, good for creativity. Yeah, I bet. Uh, and, and then, I mean, later. Um, uh, I, I moved to Canada when I was 15 years old, and uh, I went to the conservatory right away. Uh, I started classical music, and then at some point I bought, you know, a four-track uh, recorder, uh, cassette, and then started producing uh, more complex stuff with that, and so on. So it, it went from there. Uh, I was so, always interested in, in, in playing, but also uh, producing uh, and finding sounds and stuff like that, experimentation. So um, I, I never thought of uh, really making music for films uh, or, or anything like that, but I was interested in, in the, the way you could tell stories with sounds. Um, so uh, I, I'm a, I always was a fan of cinema uh, and things like that, but I didn't think that uh, I could fit in there and do what I wanted to do and and whatnot. So I, I ended up accidentally uh, in, in this world. Uh, so yeah, talk about how did you accidentally end up here? What was the, um, the point where you found your way into this world? Because I know one of your uh, first big projects you scored was the Crimson Petal and the White you've done a lot of work in, in TV and, and miniseries, of course, and feature films as well, but what was kind of the, the gateway into this world? Uh, it's, I, I met this director uh, from Britain, uh, Mark Monden, who was directing that show, uh, Crimson Petal. And uh, I met him in Canada because he was shooting some scenes uh, there. And um, he heard an album that I did, uh, which was not, uh, music for film, but it was somehow, it had some imagery. He had a bit of an maybe a new Morricone Western thing going on. And um, so we met and, and everything. And he, he went on a leap of faith, really, uh, just to try somebody uh, uh, who wasn't in this business. And um, and then, uh, so I took that chance and tried something. Uh, and, and I think it, it went pretty well. Uh, and then the, the, the year after that project, 
he called me back and and uh, he had this project called Utopia. Yes. And uh, at that point, I, I wasn't like, it wasn't clear to me that I was going to do only that uh, uh, with the Crimson Petal, uh, but uh, Utopia somehow uh, put me in a position where uh, I felt like I didn't need to, to do anything else. Uh, in the sense that I, uh, I was really doing what I wanted to do, uh, what what's more interesting to me, and uh, and it worked for the images too. So that that went really well. And then that, from that point on, people started calling me uh, to do stuff like that, uh, which is stuff like that. I don't know what that means uh, to, to bring, a, I suppose, um, an original sound to to projects that is not the traditional uh, you know film music um, uh, sound uh, I suppose uh, so that's that's pretty much it. Um, it it was I mean I never since I started doing this I never thought of doing a, a solo album or something like that to express right. stuff that I, I I, ca I cannot do or anything like that. Uh, everything feels really personal. Uh, the, the, the projects always feel like I'm I'm somehow part of, of a band, anyways. Uh, instead of having uh, you know to write music for a singer, I have characters. I have the the actors, yeah. and it's somehow like that. And um, and I'm experimenting a lot and. Doing doing what I want to do, so uh, uh, it's it's kind of uh, best of all worlds, I, I suppose. Yeah, uh, because I, I I can live of this. Uh, I, I don't have to, you know. I'm I'm not concerned about uh, uh, selling albums or being on the radio. All these concerns that I had before with uh, in, in in pop music and dealing with labels which was more of an issue uh, at the time. Um, and, you know, having to format myself into a two minutes and a half songs and stuff like that. So to me, it's just the most interesting world, um, being able to uh, tell stories, uh, help telling stories and, and the amount of power the music has, I, I didn't realize before uh, because uh, when, when you watch movies, it's like one thing, but uh, when you start working on it, I realized that uh, you could completely make a different movie uh, on, on, just by the choices of, of the music, uh, of the sounds and everything. And uh, a movie can feel completely different depending on the music. So and it's really interesting. Um, it's, it's the most fun, really. <laughs> well, you've, I mean, you've been creating such amazing soundscapes and you've mentioned Utopia, but you've also scored other series like Humans and Third Day and of course The White Lotus, uh, which we'll jump into in a bit. But I just wanted to kind of on a general level um, ask you, because you've worked a lot of, on, on a lot of series and you talked about having kind of more of a, a canvas to work on versus, you know, a two minute song or a three minute song. So I'm curious mm -hmm. in, in your approach, you've scored also feature films as well. Uh, how do you kind of, uh, is, is scoring a limited series different than a series with multiple seasons? I'm curious in that fact, because I know 
each season is probably has an arc that you have to kind of fill up and, and you, you close, but sometimes series that continue, you have an opening for the next season. And you're, I don't know if you're thinking about that in the future, but something like the white Lotus, which is a mini series that has a f- conclusion mm. and nothing else. Is it com- a different approach for you or not? Not really. Mainly, I, I suppose um, a movie feels almost like the pilot for a season for, mm-hmm. for, a, for a series in the sense that you need to find everything uh, in the pilot and uh, and the rest is uh, you 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 do come up with new ideas for uh, episodes uh, down the road but uh, the sound is very much defined on the first uh, episode and that's the 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 hardest part the the the, the heavy lifting happens there so and in a movie, uh, once you, you've done that, then it's it's done. That's it. Uh, you 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 don't keep coming back to 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 things. Uh, um, you just de- develop one thing from beginning to end, and that's it's different. I mean, um, I, I don't know that one is better than the other. Uh, really. It really depends on what you want to do. I mean, for, for me, uh, uh, I wouldn't do something like 10 seasons of a show. I right. mean, in fact, I haven't done... Uh, Utopia is the only show where I, I did the second season. I never done a second season of a show. Uh, I, don't, I don't really feel the need to do that uh, unless it, it was some particular... Uh, concept, um, but uh, to keep going with with the with the themes and everything uh, it doesn't feel that interesting to me. Hmm. But uh, more uh, in reality, I what happened uh, in most of the shows where I didn't do the second season is that I was uh, already on a, on another project for the second season, and I just didn't have the time and. Um, and that's, I suppose, uh, uh, a quirk maybe in the way that I, that I work is that I, I I still work in the same way that I used to before, uh, in the sense that I uh, I write the music myself and I and I produce everything and uh, it kind of feels like my project and uh, I don't work with um, uh, other writers. I don't have assistants. Um, I don't have people that could take over a project and do, you know, a second season and third season and, and things. And that I'm just having a look at what they're doing and, you know, directing a bit, ma- managing, uh, I suppose, um, uh, because um, I need to concentrate on one thing at a time. Uh, and that means that I, I do a lot of, uh, I do less projects. Uh, uh, I, I suppose than most people uh, that have teams, uh, but for for me, uh, I don't know if, if I ever really gonna do that. But um, uh, to me, that would take the fun out of doing this uh, mm-hmm. because I first I, I don't want to be a manager. I don't want to have other composers and tell them what to do, and uh, I don't need to do uh, you know five projects a, a year. Right. Uh, I, I really don't see the point other uh, than uh, making lots of money, uh, but then I wouldn't have fun really, I couldn't concentrate on what I'm doing 
and fighting ideas and just having the time to do research and everything. So uh, I had to do everything myself because I want to do it. I mean, yeah, in the same way that I like to play drums, I don't want some, some somebody else, uh, you know, to do that for me. If I want, uh, if I want to have fun playing drums, then I'm going to do it. But um, um, yeah. Well, that's, I mean, that's an amazing take because I know in, in Hollywood today, the, the consensus is like, you need a big music team. You have to, you know, take the big approach and juggle all those $200 million blockbusters and everybody, all these, you know, studio execs are in there and the director and the producers and it becomes almost a, it's a business operation rather than I think, I think and it makes sense that you want to keep it kind of focused and still a creative endeavor for you. So it's creatively rewarding. Um, but I'm curious in terms of your approach, when you when you are starting on a project, and I'm sure it'll be different for every project, but where does the first note usually come from for you? Do you like to wait for that first cut? Do you like to talk with the director or the showrunner? Do you like to, or do you just go for a walk? Like, or you doodle on a certain instrument? Like, what's kind of the the, the start of your creative process? It's uh, it's often with a script, uh, okay. and uh, maybe a talk a talk with the director or producers. Um, more often than not, I I think I always started before the images uh, were even done. Um, by the time I get the, the images, uh, I almost have, I have a good sense of the sound, uh, of the general sound uh, I'm going for, and then things might change. Uh, when I received the images, I have to adapt. Uh, maybe there's lots of stuff that I did that it doesn't seem to fit that well or this and that. But I, 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 as it progresses um, uh, and I find new ideas and stuff, uh, at some point I come back to everything I did before the images and I realized uh, there were many important things that I found just by reading the script. And I just needed to uh, rework that a little bit of, uh, or um, find another approach for that. So um, uh, yeah, I would say that it's mostly the talks uh, with the crew and the, and the, um, the script. Um, and uh, about the, uh, the, the, the notes, uh, the, the, the sounds, uh, I suppose, uh, uh, that's hard to say. I mean, th things could come from one particular sound that has uh, uh, a certain uh, spirit to it that it seems to be the, it seems like you could develop a whole score out of one sound. Uh, but sometimes it can be a melody, uh, just a theme. Uh, also, uh, lately, at least, uh, for example, in, in the White Lotus, I, um, uh, well, there's often a theme score, uh, and uh, I would say in the last uh, few years, I'm getting more of my own music into the temp score, uh, the, like the people that call me, uh, they knew my stuff before, so they were often using my own music from other shows. Uh, into theirs, uh, and, and so uh, I trying to find what's exactly uh, um, uh, the important thing about that, about, about uh, w w why they're using something from from another show. 
because it can be pretty, um, uh, how can I say? Uh, so if I take the White Lotus, for example, uh, uh, Mike uh, White, he was using a track that I did for um, Black Mirror, okay, uh, yeah. for my score for Black Mirror. Um, and uh, uh, in, when I did that show, uh, Black Mirror, uh, uh, to me, was a, a completely different minding. I mean, it has absolutely nothing to do uh, with the White Lotus. Right. So, so I'm not sure exactly what he hears in that track, for example, uh, that fits for the White Lotus. So I had to rediscover that track through his, uh, you know, ears and eyes and uh, uh, what's interesting about their track in, the, in this show. So, uh, and then when I find that, then, uh, you know, I try not to copy myself, but, uh, but it's also interesting because it does happen that, um, Sometimes I do play with that uh, again in this minding that I'm I'm kind of doing my albums at the same time that I'm helping other people with the stories. Sometimes I do bring certain elements from from somewhere else, uh, and I'm and I kind of connecting even uh, things, characters to other characters or stuff like that. But it's yeah. just a personal thing. It's not that nobody would realize something like that, but. Uh, well, sometimes people do, um, uh, but I think it's interesting in the same way that um, I suppose if that's from the pop uh, side of things, uh, the pop mind or, um, you know, remixing and remaking and, uh, you know, in hip hop, retaking a certain sample over uh, a different beat and stuff like that. Uh, to me, that's just super interesting as interesting as it is uh, to quote uh, a classical composer, for example. Yeah. Like uh, I'm a big Ennio Morricone fan and I'm always happy when I hear, he has many scores where uh, all of a sudden you have Chopin uh, coming out, but with a weird bass on, uh, underneath and it's just super interesting or Beethoven and things like that. Uh, or, you know, in, in jazz also, this, uh, this happened often, you know, in the 50s and 60s, uh, quoting uh, other stuff. So, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't see scoring much different, I suppose, than uh, popular music at large, um, and the way, uh, you know, uh, we do things. Um, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. No, I, and, uh, you know, speaking of, of Ennio Morricone, and it's, you know, you, I think, tapped into that, uh, that kind of uh, creative, like, out-of-the-box thinking for all, most of uh, your music is um, overall, but especially The White Lotus. And, um, you know, let's, let's jump into The White Lotus, which is a, a fantastic series. Um, and, of course, you mentioned it was brilliantly written and directed by Mike White, uh, who got his start in writing on series like Dawson's Creek, Freaks and Geeks, and went on to write Orange County, School of Rock, Nacho Libre, and a bunch of other great movies and shows. Um, so talk about working with Mike and what were the kind of first discussions? You mentioned he used some of your music in the temp, but, I mean, the score, and maybe we can start with the main titles, which kind of set the kind of the, the, the stage, this kind of jungle vocal warping and like the textures and primal and you know type stuff what how did you get to this point and what was the what did you want the music to do when i talked with mike uh it was pretty uh it, it was uh, i suppose um 
abstract uh, in uh, the, the things that we talked in the sense that uh, we spoke about doing uh, a, a Hawaiian Hitchcock, <laughs> uh, uh, which could, could mean could it could mean so many things really. Uh, uh, I like Hawaiian Hitchcock. So, so that's okay. <laughs> so, but there's there, there were some points like for example. Uh, uh, he didn't want like comedic music that is always right. funky and happy uh, and, and stuff like that. So he needed a tension. Uh, he, he needed some tension under the characters uh, uh, to the point where, you know, you could feel like something bad is going to happen. And maybe yeah. by the end of the age, somebody's going to die or it's going to be a sacrifice, he would say, things like that. Uh, so... Uh, uh, there's some allegoric aspects, I suppose. Uh, I mean, uh, there's there's many there's lots of chaos in a way in, in this show. So I suppose uh, there's a chaotic vibe about the music uh, that is surfacing um, uh, somehow, maybe reflect, reflecting what's going on inside uh, all these people. Uh, beyond what you know they're saying uh, or doing um, so um, yeah uh, the music somehow became its own character and uh, yeah it really has but uh, it, 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 you, and you talk about the tension and building they really I mean, throughout the whole series it's constant kind of this building of tension and there's always something under the surface. There's always, it's like, and almost a cringing, you're kind of in your seat, just like, you know, you're seeing this. And there's, of course, the, the show is making a lot of commentaries on, you know, social commentary or satire, stuff like that. And these characters yeah. are played very real. Um, so, yeah. and the, I think the, the coolest part about the series is that in an, in an age where, you know, TV shows are trying to shrink their main titles, you have this beautiful 70 second, you know, opening for every episode and and you set the stage with the, the that those main titles um is that was that kind of the first thing you came up with or is that something that developed after figuring out the different sounds the two main things i suppose were the percussions um and that that came out very it was very spontaneous because i didn't have much time i mean uh, I think a month, about a month after we, we I started making the music, uh, it was almost mixed time. So okay. there wasn't much time. And uh, I, I, uh, I somehow went for one idea. I mean, I started jamming uh, every day and recording tons of stuff, of percussion. So we do uh, layers of uh, big drums and then shakers and uh, cowbells and whatnot um, and all this stuff. And at some point I have lots of jams. And then on top of that, the the, the other thing uh, is the voices, I think. Yeah, the uh, voices. So, you have these amazing me, textures. Are... Yeah, that is like, oh, well, well, I don't know how you created them, but the the, the layers and the textures, the way it, it yeah. shifts to some sometimes doesn't sound human but then it comes back sounding human again it was so interesting i mean talk like yeah sorry good continue <laughs> yeah 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 i, I mean uh, it, it's uh uh that's my favorite thing to do with uh, uh vocals in general uh because i like um natural sounding voices mm -hmm. uh intimate uh voices uh and at the same time um uh, to make a, a, a an unsettling and maybe a modern uh, sound and somehow a, a little bit uh, 
uh, otherworldly uh, aspect, uh, I suppose. Uh, I'm not a, I'm not, I, I don't use a lot, I don't use at all stuff like auto-tune or things like that where uh, voices turn into something else, uh, right. into a robotic voice or just some weird sound. Uh, so I really like that the voices, they, they stay natural, but there's something that you can, you almost, you cannot grasp it, but you feel that there's something odd about it. That is, yeah, exactly. Uh, how you could, you, you couldn't, you could not sing that really uh, <laughs> right. just by yourself. There's something uh, that, that is, uh, you know, a bit otherworldly. So, um, um, yeah, I, I found ways to do that. Uh, and uh, for me, the, the, the inspiring thing about those, those, uh, type of voices is that um, they evoke many things that I think are important in the show. Uh, it seems like voices that are coming out of the jungle or yeah, or yeah. That, that could be uh, fighting voices um, um, uh, so, somehow or crying voices um, and all that. And with the, the, the there's this undertone of, uh, you know, um, colonialism and whatnot uh, and and uh, you know abuse uh, um, uh, and you have all these rich people going there and uh, you see how they behave with the with the with the locals with natives uh, and all that so i suppose there's many many aspects uh, to those voices um but um I suppose the process was uh, pretty straightforward. It's just, for me, it's just a sound that uh, evokes that. Uh, and, and really fast, it became clear that uh, it, it just worked uh, for, for, for the project. So um, then um, I suppose, um, you know, I, I kind of learned about uh, those things afterwards when it came out and you, you know you start seeing youtubers analyzing the the music yeah and uh it's really interesting because uh to, i mean to make it it's really spontaneous and it's not that it's, it's not like calculations and stuff like that and even uh when i started making interviews about that uh like right after the white lotus i didn't even know what to say uh um, because I had, I didn't have the time to analyze everything uh, and think about that. So, but then uh, you know, uh, I would see somebody on a YouTube, uh, uh, a super uh, virtuoso of technique and uh, and uh, music language and stuff, and uh, and they would explain, uh, you know, the intervals. For example, there's this, this diabolic interval. The voices, which you know, hundreds of years ago, uh, you wouldn't do that because uh, that, that's like calling the devil or something, and uh, um, and, uh, and and so on, uh, like witch uh, music or uh, whatever. Uh, but to me, uh, it's more um, it's more in the sense that if I'm playing something and I need a tension. Some some kind of tension, and then I'm going to do an interval that that there's there's some friction in there, and that's that. And if I ended up with something like that, it's more by accident or not by accident, but uh, I mean 
I, I got the intention that I wanted, but uh, right, I wasn't right. trying you know, to do a, the, diabolo, the, the diabolical uh, chord <laughs> or something like that. Uh, so um, that's more for theoricians, I, I suppose. Uh, uh, is that a word? Uh, <laughs> theoricians, people uh, that are you know, very, very strong in theory. Yeah, I mean, uh, it, it, I think that's the beautiful part of music, though, is that people can take it and interpret it, and it might not be something you intended, but somebody can interpret it a certain way. And and since yeah. music is, you know, subjective, it's it's all, and you can have your intentions as well as a composer, and you know, be like, well, that, that person definitely is not what I was trying to do. But it's interesting, I think, to see how people absorb it, and they're just, you know, off of their experiences in, in life, and that's how they take it. I think it's that's why I love it. That's why I love analyzing things and talking and discussing and i think that's where all the fun comes yeah. from <laughs> yeah yeah absolutely so um is there any particular uh scene or episode from from white lotus that became kind of like a really creatively rewarding experience something that maybe was a challenge to do but at the end it was very fulfilling is there anything that kind of stands out for you um, I, I don't know. I mean, uh, once we find uh, we found the, the tone, there wasn't really uh, much struggle um, in the sense that uh, you know, I, uh, once I understood what was my role in, in, into the storytelling, for example, um, there is there is some um, there is some um, um, source music. Yes. Yeah. Uh, here and there, that is uh, um, that is like um, it's like spiritual music, um, um, almost uh, almost like a religious aspect to it, uh, and um, yeah, it, it's a big um, contrast uh, to what I'm doing to, right. to most of, of what I'm doing um, because um, uh, I did have to do a couple of. There were a couple of moments where I did do that too, where uh, I had to make a music where uh, there wasn't this constant tension uh, and, and friction with the characters and everything. Uh, for example, um, uh, at the end of the show, uh, uh, the kid, uh, Quinn, uh, is sitting on, on, on the beach and reflecting uh, about his life and what's happening and everything. Uh, and um, and there's moments like that where it feels like people are somehow more calm and connecting with nature, uh, and there's less of uh, this fight uh, over so many things. Uh, and then in those moments, uh, the music, um, I suppose, uh, is trying to emphasize that um, that uh, communion, I suppose, uh, with nature. Uh, so that's the, those are the main points that are different from the, the, the score in general, where um, this uh, um, this chaotic uh, vibe, I suppose. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think the final the final series is it's so unique. I think to not just Mike's vision, but your vision for the music, and and it just seems like it was a just creatively rewarding all around. Um, so congratulations on on that score. And of course, the you know, the ASCAP recognition for it and uh, the composer's choice recognition for it. I think it's well deserved. And I think your sound definitely, I think, stands out over the, the rest of the stuff that's being produced in, in Hollywood these days. So um, kind of like backing, uh, backing out a little bit in scope, 
you know, on, on a personal level, uh, why do you do, why do you do this? Why do you do what you do? Why, why do you keep coming back to, to do it uh, on a, uh, what does music mean to you? And, um, and what keeps you going? Like, what's the, what brings you, what's, what part of musical storytelling really kind of fulfills you as a human being? <laughs> uh, the, the challenge of uh, something new, uh, I suppose, um, uh, it, it's, uh, it's, a, it, it's, it's a big uh, source of drive. Um, sometimes going into something that uh, I'm not really sure even if, if I can do it. Um, things like that, uh, because I don't know where I'm going to end, but um, I, I try to approach it always uh, in a positive way and, and, and trying to learn, uh, I suppose. Uh, and uh, when I finish a, a new project, I, I always feel like I'm somewhere else that uh, where, where I was uh, before. Um, and, and there's so much to learn from the, the people I'm working with uh, uh, and discovering uh, the characters and everything. So um, if there's a, a new approach, uh, uh, I mean, I always discover some, some new way of telling uh, a certain story, a certain feeling, uh, uh, evoking a certain feeling. So I suppose that's, that's the most uh, inspiring thing uh, the, the, the more uh, uh, driving uh, thing. As we kind of wrap up a little bit, I'm just curious, some fun questions. Uh, if you could choose any other job on a film set or a TV set, behind the camera, in front of the camera, uh, what would you pick to try for a day? Would you be a cinematographer, a writer? Would you be a stuntman? <laughs> what would you, anything that uh, you'd be like, oh, I'll take a stab at. <laughs> That's hard to say because without ha having the experience that I would feel too ignorant to say, uh, you know, I, I'd love to be a producer. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I, maybe I would like to be a producer, but it, it, it looks like a nightmare, to be honest. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I think uh, that. Like, I, I don't feel like taking care of, you know, all these people, all these characters and egos and, and that. Yeah. And then finding the money, uh, or you have to find the money to produce it. And, and then, uh, I mean, yeah, it, it's some job. Uh, I, but uh, I mean, from the outside, I like the aspect of uh, taking, making decisions about uh, where a character should be going or, or, uh, or, or the story, uh, how to tell the, the story, finding, finding people who give you um, perspectives on, uh, you know, for example, I don't know, finding a director and that gives you a completely fresh perspective to this, this script that you're you're going around try, trying to find the right people for uh, you know to make this movie. Uh, that looks very interesting. Um, uh, uh, editing, editing film. Um, yeah, I, I like editing a lot. Uh, just you know, a little stuff that I do. Uh, sometimes I would post something on YouTube or, or whatnot. And that's always fun um, to edit. It, it's somehow, uh, uh, you know, we, we, we speak, uh, in general, people speak a lot about um, directors and maybe producers, but it seems like editors, they're, uh, they're really, 
maybe misunderstood or just not well known of the yeah mainstream. just underappreciated uh, for sure they're, they're creating something out of nothing you're taking all the ingredients and making the meal you know <laughs> yeah and and they, they, they're like they're really doing it i mean uh, in in many cases uh there's some teams like scorsese and uh and, uh, and his uh, editor, uh, which I, I don't remember her name. Thelma, right Thelma Schoonmaker, I think, yeah. Yeah, which, uh, you know, they, they, they really, they, they, made the, they, they made the director as well. I mean, Scorsese is obviously a, yeah. a genius, but uh, I mean, she was there and, and, and without her, then I don't know, maybe it wouldn't have worked so well. Maybe it wouldn't Yeah, have Thelma worked, was a you know? big part of that, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so, uh, you know, uh, it's super important. So yeah, editing maybe. Yeah, that's a good choice. Uh, so kind of final question to wrap up. What's something, what's your, your favorite hobbies, stuff that you like to do between working to relax, refresh creatively? Is there anything that you love to do just to kind of unwind and take your mind off things? I like traveling. Traveling, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. Uh, I even uh, sometimes I travel with my laptop just to uh, like, for example, I just went to Barcelona and I had my laptop with me. So I wanted to have a little bit of a break, but at the same time, I don't have that much time to take a vacation. Right. And uh, it seems to me like a good idea to, uh, if I have so stuff to edit, for example, um, it feels like uh, if I'm somewhere else seeing other people and eating differently and all of that, that that informs a lot what I'm doing. Uh, and, and it takes me out of, uh, uh, you know, I, you could start freezing into a spot when you, you, you're working too long into a project and it's always the same room, the same things and the same people that you talk to. So that makes a huge difference uh, and it keeps uh, things fresh, I suppose, uh, yeah. just to see different things. So I, I like traveling a lot. Absolutely. Um, I think change of scenery yeah. refreshes the mind and, yeah. and definitely um, for sure. Well, Cristobal, thank you so much for all your time today for for taking the time to dive into your process for sharing your story about your you know growing up and everything it's been so so much fun and so enlightening and and thank you so much uh, and congratulations on the white lotus and the ascap recognition and uh hope we get to do this again sometime <laughs>